Hello and welcome to the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, I'm alright, man. I worked today. Uh, I was in the sports hall, and um, there was a whiteboard, and someone had put a staff eleven together on the whiteboard. <laughs> and I don't know who this was because I spoke to one of the PE teachers who knows me quite well, and he said it wasn't him. I don't know who it was, but essentially, I've been put left back, and I feel like Ooh. this. I, and I don't play football that much at work. You know, I do after school clubs sometimes, but the, the PE teachers don't see me. So I don't know what this is based off, <laughs> but that is, that is a bizarre shout. And uh, the thing is, I wouldn't mind playing left back. You know me; I'm a, I'm a John O'Shea type figure. I'll play anyone. <laughs> I know Con Murphy will be happy to hear another John O'Shea reference. Uh, <laughs> it's surprising guy. how often they come up. Ah, uh, always. <laughs> that is quite interesting, though, because left back is one of the last positions that mm. I would that I would put you in. So, for those that don't know, at secondary school, I remember you were a goalkeeper because I mm. remember going to watch your games playing in goal. Um, I would put you in a lot of different positions before left back. I think left back would be the second to last position. The last position I put you in would be winger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have you, I mean, as a no nonsense centre back, as a, a holding midfielder, even as a as a target man, perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, definitely not left. You got no left foot, Barney. No, whoa, 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 whoa! My, my weak foot's pretty good. I've got to, you know. Don't, yeah, I, I, can't pride, I pride myself on my weak foot, actually. I think that's one of my strengths. Um, I stand corrected. But yeah, I think mean, the thing is, that I think it's based off not knowing my footballing ability. So that says mm. about my character that I'm a, I'm a left-back type of guy. Well, interesting. You well, you need to uh, organise a little kickabout with the staff, maybe, so you can yeah. show, them what, show them what you're all about. <laughs> How are you, man? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, speaking of footballing positions I've been playing football I played 11 aside again recently and actually it's funny you talk about what position you play in 11 aside um I think I've discovered my position which is I'm a very modern center back who plays on the right side of a back three but has license to get on the ball and sort of wander forward that's my game right I, I've decided that's uh, I that's like why that I, a lot because I played I played 11 aside with um there's a great group of of Leighton Orient fans who who play eleven aside sort of once a month, um, and in both games I've been played central midfield. Now, our podcast Barney is called the Long Ball Football Podcast, and as everybody knows, there's a kind of stereotype of of English football about um, English football teams playing long ball football, which is when you pick the ball up in defence or a goalkeeper and you lump it as hard as you can up to the striker well the modern game's changed a lot but that hasn't really filtered down to the grassroots level because both times that I've played I've played in central midfield and um, we've basically played the type of football where our defence will receive the ball they will kick it as hard as they can towards the strikers (laughs) I then have to sprint (laughs) like a long way because football pitches are big to try and get up uh, to where the strikers are by which time the other team's defence will have won the ball and then they then kick the ball as hard as they can back over my head <laughs> towards our defence. I, <laughs> I then turn around and uh, run back towards my defence. So um, I've decided I'm just going to play in defence so I can, uh, in that type of situation, at least get my foot on the ball and and try and try and play. Uh, I did count last time, Barney. I played 65 minutes and I passed the ball four times. 
Nice. 100% pass accuracy? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> um, well, we're going to get into a, another uh, episode of the podcast. Lots of exciting football to talk about from the Premier League. Of course, as we record this on Tuesday night, uh, European football is back. The Champions League is back. Porto will be playing Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League tonight, which is very exciting. Um, we're going to cover all the Champions League and Europa League scores on next week's podcast. Um, and before we get stuck into this week's Premier League action, just a reminder that if you uh, enjoy listening to the show, if you tune in most weeks and like what we do, um, there are a few ways that you could show us a little bit of love back and support the podcast. Uh, some of those are quite simple, such as leaving us a little review on Apple Podcasts, a star rating on Spotify, sharing the podcast with a friend that you think might enjoy it. And of course, the main one, which uh, more and more people have been doing recently, is getting involved on our Patreon. You can become a long ball football socio for as little as one pound a month. Uh, and that really helps us keep the, the podcast ticking over. So uh, there's a link in the description of the podcast to do that, if you so wish. Um, but I think it's about time we got into the football, Barney. Um, and we're going to flip the script. We're going to flip the podcast on its head. Usually we start with the big three and move on to the better games from the smaller teams. But this week, Byron, we cannot ignore some of the fantastic action that we saw from other teams in this league. And we're going to start with the league leaders, of course, not Benfica, not Porto, not Sporting, but Boavista, who continue their dream start to the season uh, with a fourth win in five games against the league's bottom side in Shavs. Uh, they were 4-0 up after 24 minutes and the game ended 4-1 to put them on 13 points. Uh, the same as Sporting at the top of the table. Bovis have got the most goals this season with 14. They also now had the best goal difference in the league with plus 8. Thiago Moraes, the young winger, continued his fairy tale start to life in the Bovis 11 with a goal after 39 seconds. Salvador Agra followed up three minutes later and then it was two goals from Robert Bojnik, which put them top of the league and put himself top of the league's top scorer list with five goals for the season in five games. To put it simply, Barney, life just cannot get any better for Bovis at the moment. I mean, I mean, they certainly saw that Shavs were there for the taking uh, in this game. You know, obviously they'd had the international break, had a great start to the season, as you mentioned, and they obviously wanted to get things on the going straight away again. Um and we even saw that with Petit, you know, I think it was over after the first or the second goal, he was still shouting direction of his players, saying to go for more by the looks of things. So they were they were aggressive right from the right from the off. Um and it was yeah, it was just when we saw the goals coming in, it was just it was always We knew Shavs were bad, right? And we, and they had they have been all season. But it was still uh regardless of their ability, this was still a, a ruthless attacking performance and I think I'm, I'm slowly coming to terms with the way that Petit likes to play and and, and how you know how how, how not, not fresh but it's, it's it's nice to see the way that he builds up you know with the wingers coming inside the fullbacks overlapping even in this game sort of the three men midfield of uh, Rashinio Makuta and Perez getting Makuta that bit further forward and, and, and finding some interesting positions as well it was just it was exciting. It was, you know, it was thrilling stuff. Um, and it was just exactly what they, you know, needed to do to main to keep this uh, momentum going. And I just, yeah, I was, I was, uh, 
I think in the second half, Chefs were sort of allowed, maybe allowed bit in, or they, they they played better. They obviously had you know a few subs made, and, and uh, Sanka came on and, and sort of livened them up a bit. And uh, Paolo Victor got his goal, which was quite a nice goal. But you know, otherwise, it, it, the, <laughs> both of us were falling up at half time, and of course they were afforded to sort of take their foot off the gas, which is uh, what I think has happened. And yeah, like, I'm, I'm sort of rambling, but because it's just, it's it's just such. It's it's so nice to see. It's it's like you know, because it, it's a, it's the sustained form. I know it's five games, but you know, it's quite often when we're doing this podcast, you know, from from teams outside the big four, they'll they'll string a run of you know two or three games together. We get a bit excited, and then things sort of peter out. But it doesn't seem to be happening with Bovis. So they seem to have you know really found something, and they 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 they're looking pretty scary. Well, let's start with with the star man Barney, who for me. Is is Robert Bojnik um, making himself a name for himself as the league's top striker on current form? Incredibly, Barney. He scored four goals throughout the whole of last season. Admittedly, with Yusuf Ng starting ahead of him, keeping him on the bench, he's already scored five goals this season in just five games. And honestly, looking at him playing now, I, I, I think he's a much more complete striker than Yusuf Ng was. More physical stronger and for me his finishing is, is much more clinical within G I just always felt there was a little inconsistency in his finishing whenever he had a chance I always felt there was a 50-50 possibility whether he was going to score it or not with Bojnik I just feel like he looks like a more complete striker and feels like a more consistent player to be honest yeah I think um it was maybe after the it was either after the first week or the second week I think I sort of I was a little cautious about Bosnick. I, I I think I remember saying something along the lines of, you know, he, he, I feel like he should be scoring more. I think he, he misses a few chances. And But since I've said those comments, like you said, his, his finishing's come on leaps and bounds. And it's only uh, Cristo of Aruca and Paulinho who has a better uh, goals minus XG score than Bosnick, who so Bosnick has five goals from an XG of three point one, indicating that he's he's you know he's he's finishing in some ch- like some pretty hard chances. And um, I think that's. That's that's really key to Bovis's start of play, right? Because I'll read you the stats, and obviously this is sort of with the premise that they took their foot off the gas in the second half. But even so, Bovis had eight shots in this game. Uh, Shabs had twenty-two. You know, so Bovis that they they like to they they they're quick in transition. They're getting on the pitch quick. They like you know they like to play on the break. Ideally, that you know catch teams when they're when they're when they're attacking and, and that, that is their style and they and they they create these chances and you know they're not dominating possession and just knock batting down the door you know they they they're clinical they they they're really um efficient in the in the chances they're creating um you know they had less possession in this game as well so it's it's really key for their continued success that these players like Mariah as well um, and Agra they're taking their chances when they get them and as you as you said there uh, Bosnick is is now and he's looking great. And when I did see your tweet about him being the best strike in the league at the moment, I did <laughs> instinctively. I was like, I did question that, and I wasn't so I wasn't sure if I entirely agreed. But the more you think about it, and the more you watch him play, and as you mentioned, you know he's he's, he's got a lot of strings to his bow. He's, he's physical. He's got a nice touch. He, he works with the team. He is looking really good, like and a, a really good acquisition. Um, acquisition and yeah I, I'm really hoping this 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 form can continue because he's looking like a you know another Peter Musa if you will like a really smart find from Bovista. 
Well, I think it was a slightly tongue-in-cheek comment about him being the best striker in the league. But undoubtedly, you cannot deny that he is, on current form, the league's uh, best striker. And and so rightfully, there's been a lot of talk about him and some of the other kind of the new stars of, of, of that Benfica side. Some of the players that we've discussed quite a few times in recent weeks. Um, Thiago Moraes, who I mentioned with the first goal. Uh, Maliero, who got an assist in this game. Makuta. But I think there's also some very underrated players uh, in the team that I wanted to give credit to. And the first first of those is is the goalkeeper, 22 years old, Joao Gonçalves. Last season, obviously, Bovista relied on 42-year-old Rafael Bracali, a legend of the game. Understandably, decided to retire at the end of the season. He's you know he put in a real shift the season before, and, and I don't think anyone can begrudge him a, 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 an enjoyable retirement. And they had a transfer ban, which means they can't sign a replacement. Now, they have in their team already 31-year-old Cesar. So they could have gone with the experienced option. But Petit has put his faith in 22-year-old Gonçalves. And I have to say, Barney, I thought he was absolutely outstanding in this game. As you mentioned, worth remembering that Shavs had a much better second half and did put the Bovis to go under a lot of pressure. I think Gonçalves made a number of key saves uh, to keep the scoreline down. Obviously, Shavs got their goal back, but you know it could have been four-two, perhaps maybe even four-three, and, and, and Shavs get more hope. But he was really instrumental in keeping uh, Shavs' scoreline down, which was key in in keeping them demoralised and stopping any kind of motivated uh, comeback. Um, and equally, Barney, I think there are other players in that team that that have gone a bit unnoticed. You look at the likes of Rodrigo Abascal at the back, Captain Seba Perez all those type of players who stepped up. But, you know, the thing we've said so many times, and I appreciate there might be people listening to this part of, of, of the podcast who don't usually listen to our Bovisha discussions, but worth reiterating that, you know, this is a team full of players who, when their side is, is facing a transfer ban, and these players themselves have been in the past unpaid, had their payments delayed, you know, and they're human beings who've got families to provide for. But nonetheless, these are all players who, in difficult circumstances, have recognised that they need to be the ones to step up if they're going to make something happen this season and they've done so remarkably well. Yeah, I mean, the two players, as well as Gonzalez, who I wanted to focus on was um, Rochinho in the midfield, number 10, who um, has been at the club for quite a few years now. He came from Vittoria's B team a while ago. Um, a midfielder who's had very limited opportunities previously um, is now obviously going to have a quite a key role to play as, as we've alluded to with the, the transfer ban. And it's just tidily been a, a really good uh, player from the season, he's played every game, um, and I mentioned that midfield three of him, Makuta and Perez, is looking looking pretty good. Um, Awaziem as well, the the Nigerian centre back, I think ex Porto player, who uh, we've joked about, who is constantly out on loan to a French club who just won't pay the uh, the transfer fee. But uh, as I've said before, that's a really good thing for Boavista because he is a quality defender, you know, and, and, and a centre back has been an issue for them for several seasons now. But he he and that back line improves him certainly, and as you mentioned, Abascal on the other side, it was, uh, they're looking stronger. So it's, uh, I think it's, I think if I'm to sort of put a, a negative point to the bring a negative point to the table with Boavista because everyone is very excited about them winning their second championship, um, it's to say that after the first 11 you look at the players they brought on it it drops off a cliff for me in terms of quality and obviously that that as the season progresses they're going to need those players um to to at some point so with that that will be something that will play out as the season progresses whether 
and Petit can get those players up to standard or, you know, get something out, we'll, we'll have to see. But I, I look, I, I, we're digressing a bit. They, they've, they've been phenomenal so far this season. I'm, I'm, it's so nice to talk about a team like Boa Vista when they're having a moment like this because it's, they, you know, with all their history of everything that's gone on with that club, even in their recent history, you know, we've, we've covered that throughout as, as, as long as we've been doing this podcast. It's, it's really, it's, it's just great, isn't it? It's, it's to have, have this and, and see them doing so well. Yeah, I think that 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 does kind of answer the question that I think a lot of people have because you know they're seeing by the top of the table after five games. I think a lot of people are thinking, is this a flash in the pan? Are they the real deal? How long is this is this going to last? And I think you you hit the nail on the head. We saw a similar thing with with Casapia last season, who really flew out of the traps in terms of, of having a great season to begin with, playing great football, getting some good results against good sides, and they were sitting in the top three or four. Um, for that part of the season and then of course the season catches up with you it is a long season little injuries fitness things like that can come into play and like you said that's possibly where Bovista may come undone as the season progresses because there are teams in and around them who have a wealth of squad depth that they could only dream of um, and it'll be you know a, a different story sort of 20-25 games into the season whether they can continue this form they'll need a little bit of luck to keep those key players on the pitch um, and hopefully not lose any players in the January transfer window. But for now, I think it's important just to recognise um, the great work the team is doing and the great work that the manager is doing because Petit is a coach who I think has been derided by some over the years and I think he is showing just how valuable he can be as a manager, mainly due to his experience because I think there's there's a lot of managers in this league who wouldn't be able to do what uh, Petit is doing with, with this Boris at the moment. So um, I think that deserves a lot of credit. Um, for Shavs then, Varney, you know, things just went from bad to worse. A fifth loss in five games, the third time this season that they've conceded at least four goals in a game. And I think for me, this is the, the most damning part of it. This is the second time this season they've been 4-0 down inside 25 minutes. For the second time in five games, you know. The other was, of course, when they lost 5-0 to Ferenz. Of the five losses, and I think this is quite interesting, Barney, of the five losses this season that they've had, only one was against a team which finished higher than them in the league last season. And I think that's after a transfer window of quite a significant amount of signings. Jose Gomez was predictably relieved of his duties after this game. And I think they absolutely made the right decision to let him go because they've shown zero signs of improving under him. Um, and I think the club had to do something to arrest this situation sooner rather than later because I think we saw last year with Pastor Freire and Maritimo how things can get really, really bad when you just allow them to stagnate for too long. So I think in terms of Jose Gomez's departure, I think it was the logical thing to do, to be honest. I think the logical thing to do would have to have done it before the the international break, it was quite surprising that he was still in charge. And then with when a performance like this, it's just absolutely, it's almost unforgivable. I mean, they the defense was an absolute shambles. You see it for all of the first three goals that come in straight away. Nigeria, um, just mistake with Stephen Vittoria as well, and then and, and the goalkeeper Souza was an error for one of the goals. They were just all over the shop, playing a highlight. Looked shell shocked to be honest, like as, as with the, how quickly the goals came in. I mean, and then just to look at the team that they put out, it was just, it seemed like a strange 11. You know, you had um, Cruz, uh, somebody who played left back, playing left wing when you've got the likes of Sanka and Benny on, on the bench. Um, midfield and Lokali as well, the, the, the 
who's been arguably their best player all season so far is, is was out of the team and it's just yeah they, I mean we don't really have to talk too much about it because they they they'll they'll make a they they've pulled the trigger and they've got rid of him, rid of him so there'll be a new manager coming in for Shavs and yeah there's a um, you've mentioned the, the amount of signings they made there are there are players who have come in who will improve them uh, Sanka being one of them he and like I said he looked good when he got on the pitch. So yeah, they need to turn their season around and hope for a new manager bounce because it. That's the only scary thing, isn't it? It's like a, the likes of Steven Vittoria looking shell shocked, not knowing what to do. Dugaria has played in this league for several seasons. You know, Bruno Langer's in that back line. He was one of the best defenders of last season, looking an absolute mess, and and that those are the worrying signs. So, yeah, um, hopefully they can change their fortunes around. But this was just. I, I can't think of many times I've seen stuff like that happen. You know, it's very it feels very rare that we get these sort of complete capitulations straight off the bat, straight off the kickoff. It's just it, it it is it was scary. It's rare, but it's happened twice to Shavs already this season. Interesting, those two players you mentioned, Barney Nakwali and Sank, are both players brought on thirty six minutes into the game. So you know, um, Jose Gomez did make changes albeit his team were already 4-0 down at the time he brought Stephen Vittorio off after 36 minutes I think it was at that point that Shavs died to me um, I'll never forgive them for the way they treated you know my one of my favourite players um, I, if I was Stephen Vittorio I would have asked to come off mate it's just like <laughs> he never would have asked though that's the thing um, but no as, as we mentioned though it is of course worth mentioning you know in their defense uh, that their second half was better there was a response from the players they did get a goal back they did go in search of more goals and they did keep a clean sheet um admittedly by that point Bovista were cruising through the game so it's very hard to to judge that um accurately I think it's also worth remembering that this is a team that finished in Europa almost finished in Europa Conference League places last season um they didn't lose many key players from that squad and arguably after a summer of, of, of reasonable investment have a better squad than the one they had last season anyhow so on the one hand that I think that highlights just how bad things have gotten but I suppose the one thing that you can say is that that will give a glimmer of hope um, going forward to whoever it is that does come in as the new manager because at least you'll know that this is not a squad doomed for failure this is a squad that has proved that it can succeed you know so there is a little glimmer of hope for whoever comes in and the last thing I want to say on on, on this game, Barn, is actually just on one of those players that you mentioned, Kelechi Nyokwali of Shavs. Um, the listeners will have to forgive me because I'm going to go full Roy Keane. But one thing I could not accept in this game was seeing Kelechi Nyokwali at halftime walking off the pitch and having a little cuddle and a smile with Chidozi Oaziem of Boavista at halftime when your team's 4-0 down, right? He'd done the same at full-time when they've just lost the game 4-1. And I'm sitting there thinking, if I was a Shavs fan in that stadium who'd paid to go and watch my team and they're 4-0 down at half-time, at half-time, one of the players is walking off and giving a hug to to uh, one of the opposition. I'm sure they're great friends in real life. <laughs> I'm not sure what the connection is. They must, you know, maybe they've played together internationally. Well, I'm not sure. But for me, Barney, that was absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, I've gone full working there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, shall we move on to another game then? Because this was really a weekend, Barney, where the South triumphed over the North as Ferenz and Portimonens, both teams from the Algarve, 
beat two sides from the northern Mino region in Braga and Vitoria. And I want to chat about Ferenc first, who caused an upset at home against Braga, coming away with a 3-1 win. It's their second win of the season. As we mentioned, they beat Chavez 5-0 earlier in the season. They're a team that I think has really improved uh, as the five first five games of the season has gone on. They played very well against Porto in a Jogao a few weeks back, uh, but they didn't get anything from the game. They lost to Famalicao last weekend, but it took a player getting sent off uh, for Famalicao to score. And I think a performance like this, where everything clicked and maybe a little bit of luck went their way as well, I think a performance like that has been coming for a little while. And they played very well in this game, as they did against Porto. The difference was that this time they, they were rewarded for their efforts. Yeah, I mean, they, they they certainly haven't struggled to score this this season. I think um, you know, we've seen that with their, their previous results. Um, look, it's... it's I, I, I didn't know when to bring this up in the podcast, Al, but isn't it so nice to talk about the smaller teams when they get results against the big team? And not only that, just you know how all the promoted teams once again seem to be pretty strong. You know, they, 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 they've they've come up and they they don't look out of place at all. You know, if anything, they look sort of better coached, better squads, etc. Um, so it's really nice to sort of yeah see this Ferenc performance because uh, they were they were really, really good. I think the midfield was what won this game for me. They were absolutely immense. You know, Fabricio Isidoro and the Claudio Falcao, who were with friends, friends the last time they were in the top division. And I think that was the only time that they have played in the top division. They, these aren't um, players with much uh, Premier League experience. And they've just played an absolute blinder. You know, coming up against that midfield of um, Mizrati and Jao Moutinho, you know, on paper, you, you fancy the Braga's midfield all day, but they were just... Um, they were absolutely dominant, you know, ran, ran into the ground, very mobile, caused all sorts of problems. You know, Isadora would sort of get wide and 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 in those wide spaces to try and drag out Mutini, try and pull Bruma back, um, which which worked really well. Uh, and then up top as well, bringing in Bruno Durate, moving Rua Costa out wide. You know, Bruno Durate's... We, you know he's a he's a decent striker for this league, you know he's done it before and and he, he obviously got the goals and and that decision really paid off for them that you know that he he absolutely won his battle against uh, Jose Font, you know the, the, I think that was a you know not a really nice matchup but I think Durate you know proved that you know overcome him, overcome Jose Font, so yeah it was just it was a really. I I like like what you I like what you said at the beginning there because you said it won't, maybe it was a little bit of luck but I think that what actually it was is, was like you said it all came together at the right time you know and and I, and the, we shouldn't forget that the like players like that that midfield I just talked about you know those sort of players they there are decent players you know who haven't played at the top many times and 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 can have their day have their moments and I, I think that's what happened with friends. They like they they just it all clicked and they just played absolute blinders every single one of them and and they really did deserve their win. Mm. I th- the thing I think I'm starting to like about this friends team, Barney, is is that for me it's 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 a team of of misfits, you know, of of sort of underdogs and 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 perhaps players that people have overlooked in the past or written off in the past. Um, Case in point, actually, not just the players, but but the manager. You know, Jose Mota, last time he was in the Primera Liga, um, he was a bit of a joke on, on this podcast. You know, we were laughing at his spell at Passos. He was the man brought in to replace Cesar Pachotto before they decided actually he's so bad that they wanted Pachotto back. 
He's now at Ferenz, you know, he helped get them promoted and he's doing a great job managing in the Premier League. And and the first goal scorer by any player you mentioned, Bruno Duarte. I thought he was a bit, bit of a flop at Vittorio. You know? He was just that kind of typical striker. It seemed like Vittorio had a few of these. Just they brought in strikers who couldn't score goals and, and he was one of those. Um, you know, he, he comes he comes back to Portugal. He's playing for friends. And what a, a, a lovely moment to see him making Portugal international and European Championship winner. Jose Font looked like an absolute muppet. He tied him up in knots for his goal. If you go go back and watch the replay, if you haven't seen it already, lovely footwork, a few step overs, a little cut back. Jose Font is is all over the place, and he he pops up with a great finish on his weaker foot. And I mean, Barnier is probably the most predictable thing to have happened all season. But what can I say? I'm really developing a little a little soft spot for for Ferenc. And yeah, I I'm I'm with you there, and and. I feel like we haven't talked enough about Bloomy as well, the, the young 21-year-old Algerian winger who seems to be um, just having a breakout season. He's just looked absolutely excellent on that right wing for friends. Um, you know, skill from the ball, quick. He's, he's very. He's created a lot of chances, um, created a lot as well. He's got two goals and two assists now for the, for the season. So he's having a really... Um, Good, good, um, good campaign so far, and, and and I think your summary of misfits is is quite right, Albert, because you know it's not full of youngsters. There's, there's a few old boys there, um, and yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's 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 looking good for Ferenc. I mean, I guess we should talk about Braga, Albert, and the, the thing I'm I'm struggling with. It seems to maybe it isn't, but to me, it seems like a lot of people have the opinion that Braga have always had a bad defense, right? But but. So, because they've conceded ten goals in five games this this season, not great at all. But and no clean sheets. But last season they conceded thirty goals in thirty four games, which to me is is a pretty good defensive record, right? So, I guess you look at what's changed or what, what what's going on. The most obvious thing is the lack of consistency in the in the players that they're picking in the defence, and obviously they've had the the grueling European qualification campaign, which has mean they've had to play a lot of football already and. There was a period. I think it was the, when the the league gave them a week off, and they had those two games against Panathinaikos uninterrupted by a league game. I think there was, there was a string of three games, including those two Panathinaikos games, where they played the same back line, which is arguably their strongest. That was Marin left back, Nia Kate, Josephon, and Gomez at right back. Apart from that, we haven't seen the same back line at all in the league. They've had to bring in players. Nia Kate's got injured in international duty, which seems to becoming a bit more of a, a problem for him staying fit. Jose Font as well. I, I wonder if we can look at him and what you know about what we, we were really excited about him coming back to the league, right? But we've got to also remember his age and 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 obviously his pace. And you know, I think there has been a few issues at the back. So that's something that they need to sort out quite quickly. And for me, it's it comes with playing a consistent back line, which unfortunately they might not be able to do with the amount of games they've got coming up. Yeah, I completely agree. And 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 things have started to creep into to Braga's game, which we didn't previously associate with them. Um, mainly mistakes at the back, which is what we saw in this game. There was a there was an awful mix up between uh, Vitor Gomez and um, Mateus, who got themselves in in a complete mess and and really allowed Forenza uh, an easy goal. Um, so yeah, just the, that kind of uh, poor performance levels that we don't really expect from Braga. Um, but have started to creep into their game. I think their performance was, for me, pretty much summed up by Forenz's third goal, 
which I have to say, I don't enjoy saying this stuff about a team that I like and players that I like, but lazy defending, perhaps, you know, not enough defensive urgency, players that I usually love, but I've kind of got to criticise. You know, if you look back at that third goal, Ali Al-Mazrati, not good enough, doesn't track his runner into the box, doesn't do enough to block the cross. And then equally, you know, a, a young player, admittedly not a defender, but Alvaro Jallo, who who just doesn't spot the, the defensive danger quick enough, not enough urgency to get it back into the box and, and defend the chance. And, you know, friends get a simple cut back and tap in for, for a third goal. And, you, and, and that third goal was important because if that third goal doesn't go in, you know, it's 2-1 and Braga still have a real opportunity of getting something from this game. And, and you know, at this stage of the season, although the, the 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 table isn't really taking shape yet, you know, you don't want to fall behind this early in the season. And, and, and a point would have been much more valuable than, than nothing. But they just they just weren't good enough. And it was that kind of perhaps laziness, sloppiness. You know, perhaps they, they're struggling to deal with the, the Champions League, the stress of the Champions League as well. I don't really want to make excuses because I think there was players on that pitch who were good enough to get a result in this game and, and for whatever reason, they just didn't. Yeah, the, the the team they put out was really strong. I think the only real change was Jallo coming in to start in the eleven, um, having just signed his new contract. Um, but, you know, other Broomers on the pitch, Horters on the pitch. Um, Banzer obviously got his gold as well and is, 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 is a really decent striker. So, yeah, I think that's... Uh, there's no real excuses here and I think the mistakes is... Quite right, what you're talking about there. I think Mateus seems to be having quite a bad. Just doesn't seem at his best. Obviously that error, but I, I think generally with his saving as well, there's been a, a couple of goals he should probably should have kept out. Um, so yeah, they're in a an interesting spot now. And as you mentioned, the Champions League is is here now and it's it's happening. So they need to get back in a rhythm. They need to start feeling confident again. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and try and forget about this game. But um, yeah. All credit to friends because it's it's they they were they were really really good. All right, well let's move on to Portsmouth and ends then then Barney who also got an important win against uh, Aminio's side. Their first win of the season, in fact, came away from home against Victoria. Two goals in the final ten minutes of the game saw them come from behind to win two one. The captain Carlinos scored a penalty and then followed that up with an excellent long range shot to seal three points for his side. I have to say, Barney, um, the listeners, I can hear it already. They they know, they think I'm biased against Portimonens. But I have to say this, rather than Portimonens going out and winning this game, I think we have to say that Vittoria really threw this game away because they were 1-0 up and they couldn't kill off the game with a second goal. And then it was really, really poor final 10 minutes from them, which saw them lose a game that they never should have lost. They never even should have dropped two points, let alone three. The thing that was struck me, and, and I just thought was so blindingly obvious, they looked absolutely shot at the end, Victoria. The, the the players were knackered. They just didn't have anything in the tank. They they only made three subs as well, so they obviously had two more sub players that they could have brought on to help sort of counteract the fatigue that was so glaring obvious. I mean, Jota had a great chance towards the end, but looked slow and, and, and took a shot from distance because he just didn't seem to have the legs to, to drive into the box. And then Manu Silva as well, who was not only sloppy for the pen, but literally dead on his feet for the winner. Just couldn't track back, could barely could barely keep keep himself up when he was tracking back uh, that Carlinos run. It was just it was crazy. And I, and I think you've got to look at the Palatura for the lack of subs. You know, there, there's five subs for a reason. And if you can't see your players can't, 
like are really really out of it and also they've just had an international break like why are these players so fatigued but they honestly looked i just i've never i've it's been a while since i've seen a play players that knackered and on on a pitch because it was just yeah manu silver was just completely gone and i I, you know we never want to single out an individual player especially a young player but Manu Silva was absolutely dreadful, and and in those last ten minutes, you know, like you, like you, I don't know if he's struggling for fitness. I don't know if he's lacking experience. I mean, he's played all five games of the season, so you can't exactly be struggling for match fitness. It, but it was his actions in the last ten minutes that that were atrocious, and cost Porto the three points. It was dreadful defending, which gave away the the, the penalty. Um, completely unnecessary the way he goes in for the the challenge and then basically just falls over and knocks over Portsmouth's attacker and then it's as you said dreadful defending for for the second goal absolutely dead on his feet can't keep up doesn't do enough to stop Carlinhos who just breezes past him admittedly I think uh, Thomas Handel also could have done more to to get in and block the shot but very very poor from Manu Silva very worrying signs for Vittoria as well because it was a game which which they should have been comfortable in uh, and they were comfortable in going 1-0 up. I mean, I, I thought it was, I know it was an own goal, but I thought it was an excellent goal. You know, in that early part of the game when they were playing with energy, Jota Silva, really good strength to to win the ball, put a good ball in the box and they got a bit of luck with the own goal, but lovely move. But, you know, again, people, I know people are going to think I'm biased against Porto and Enz, but they've committed absolute daylight robbery in this game. They were barely in the game at all until the 80th minute and then, you know, two goals given to them on a plate, and they they must be absolutely delighted with that. I think perhaps you're being a little harsh. I think they, <laughs> they, they, they you know, they had their they had their chances. I don't think they were completely blown away all game. Um, I think the substitution of bringing um, Gonzalo Costa on for sec really changed things. He won the penalty. Um, he always had a lovely um, Travers shot. Um, it was a little tame, but it it, it was nice enough. And look, I think if, if we're going to praise Portum Lens, well, I'm happy to. Carly's is a player I've always liked. I remember when they signed him, was it last season or the season before? And he got a couple of goals when he first arrived, I think, and then and sort of been quiet after that. But he's a, he's a really nice midfielder to watch, you know. And, and you know, he was playing left wing towards the end, wasn't he? So, um, and you know, I thought he took his goal really, really well and obviously a, a really nice penalty. And, but it's also really nice to see Denner back at Portum Lens. You know, I always rated him. He was he was probably their most standout player a couple of seasons ago, and then he moved away. Forgive me because I can't remember exactly where. But to have him back is is a huge boost for that team. You know, with his his experience and the, the history he has at the club, that's really going to boost things for them. I did feel the the momentum shift a bit in, in this game, and and I think those substitutions certainly helps. But look, I to go back to Vittorio Albert. Sorry, I think Andre Silva needs to start scoring at some point. I think that's that's an issue because they need they need obviously they need more goals in this game to to, to pull a result through. Um, I'm a bit concerned about the the players that Palatoro seems to be trusting. Um, in sort of uh, he, he played Gasper at right wing back when you've got Magro on the bench. Thomas Handel was dropped to the bench as well, a young player who I think is it was starting to get his place in the team at the beginning of the season when Moreno was was manager. And and also Tunkura at the back, you know, Jorge Fernandez is all right. Manu Silva had a, a stink of this game, but has been all right. But Tunkara once again was a player on the uh, Moreno who seems to really be coming forward and, and asserting himself in the team, and obviously a young player. So um, yeah, it's not good signs for me from Palatura at the moment. I think he's he's yeah, uh, I'm not convinced at the moment, and I'll, I'll, I'll 
hoping that we can see some players that Moreno had brought through come back into the team at some point. Mm, definitely, I agree with that. I think you know, I would expected to see a little bit more uh, improvement, seeing as they had that international break on the training ground with the new manager. But you know, time will tell for both these teams. Time will tell, to be honest, because we we haven't quite seen exactly the the state that they're going to be in for the rest of the season. Um, but but let's move on, Barney, and 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 finally move on to to the big three. Um, and I just want to start with Sporting, who have now an equal points tally with Burmish in first place after a 3-0 win at home against Morarens. Now, in our Portugal.net preview article, um, I think we wrote that this could be a potentially a difficult game for Sporting. Morarens have put in some, some good performances this season. Very unlucky not to get a result against Braga. Um, and Porto as well so far this season they played great football but for me Barney Sporting put in in my opinion their, their, their best performance of, of the season so far in this game I thought they totally deserved their win Morarens flew out of the traps as they tend to do they had some big early chances but unlike Porto who I thought really struggled against Morarens's positive style Sporting matched them and weren't afraid of, of the high tempo game knowing that they had the players uh, of quality to get a win. It was 3-0 in the end, but realistically, it could have been even more than that. Yeah, it was a, it was a great team performance. You know, this was a, this is the 11 that I sort of would have put down as their strongest 11, you know, seeing the players that they got at their disposal with the Edwards and, and Pedro Gonzalez, either side of Jokeres, and Hulman and Marita in midfield as well, I think um, is, is their strongest the strongest two to play there. On a personal note, this was this. I think this is the end of my fantasy uh, team because ugh, everything <laughs> I read was Jokeres who played. I think every possible minute of, in, of internet, on international duty was going to be rested, and I was like, "All right, I'll bench him then." <laughs> you uh, tried to be way too clever. <laughs> I am trying to be way. Yeah, I was trying to be way too clever, and it absolutely backfired. I think. And look, he had a he had a great game, and he's played every minute for Amarin as well. You know, th- there's there's a reason for that because he's a, a hell of a striker. Um, I wanted to shout out um, someone on Twitter, our um, GM10 Media, who puts out compilation videos because what I, I watched Yoka as a compilation for this game because I, I think I've tried to describe him a few times and obviously uh, with strikers, you tend to look at the statistics, you know, the goals, the assists and everything, but you don't get a full picture of, of what Jokeres does for this team. And watching those, every single touch he did in this game through that compilation was just fascinating because he's he's just absolutely brilliant. He'll drop and he can do those sort of one-touch passes from the midfield to, to the wingers and lay off Edwards and get Pedro Gonzalez running through. He's he's good with the ball at his feet. He can drag it out wide, even put a few crosses in. He just... He's just brilliant. I I just love watching him play as a striker because he's he's everywhere, but he can do his job as well. You know, he can finish. He, he can head the balls. You know, it's it, it was just a great it's a great performance once again from him, and and you can see why Amarin's playing him every minute. You know, even with Paulinho's little um, burst of a couple of goals in a couple of games, you know, still Jokeres, there's no doubt you're starting. You're you're playing through the middle. You're the main man. And I think that's going to be really important for him because he's, you know, he's clearly got the talent and he just needs to keep playing because he's, he's brilliant. And and, and uh, you know, I think as I think we saw Edwards and Pedro Gonzalez get closer to the goal, get chances in and around the box. You know, they they had more opportunities to shoot. Um, Edwards, I think, is his final ball still is a little. It's not quite there. I think he had a good game, great on the ball once again, but a few decisions, a few poor passes. Uh, let him down. 
Um, but look, that attacking trio just look. I don't know it looks good, and, and Jokers is the catalyst for that for me. He, he really brings everyone together. Yeah, he's been a great signing. He's a very talented, talented boy, and of course, not the only Scandinavian making an impact in in Sporting's team at the moment. Morton Kuhlman got his first goal for the club. Uh, the first goal of this game, Sporting had to wait until the fifty fourth minute to get their first goal, despite uh, playing some good football. It was a long range finish from outside the box into the bottom corner. Interestingly, Barney. It was exactly the same finish that he had ruled out in the last game against Braga, where he arrives late to the edge of the box. His teammate lays it off and he sort of side foots it with power into the bottom corner of the goal. Uh, great for him to open his sporting account. And I think, you know, you're talking about the impact that, that Jokerez makes to that attack. I think we're going to start to see much clearer uh, very shortly the impact that that human is going to make to that midfield sitting in there with, with Hidamas Marita next to him. I'm loving Hillman. I love the fact, and you know, because obviously no, no player is exactly the same or something. Or like you know, he he wasn't going to be an exact replica of Agate, of course not. But um, he's certainly got a shot, and he's not afraid to take those shots from out of the box. I really like that. You know, he's he he was there's, he's he's hit a few now from distance, which is which is exciting, and I, I like I like to see that from a midfielder. But he's 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 not he's got a bit of everything. You know, he's he's really good covering. He plays good progressive balls forward, you know, brings the brings the fullbacks into play. But you know, Nuno Santos was having a lot of joy finding space out on that left. Um he's just looks like a real class player, doesn't he? And and uh and I feel like sporting need that, you know, if if they need a midfielder to get a few goals a season, five five, six, seven, you know, just to boost their numbers because um as we sort of alluded to, Edwards and Ed, Edwards isn't the most consistent attacking player in terms of goals and assists. And um, Pedro Gonçalves, though, seems to be getting back to the, the form we know he's had, is still not quite there in terms of his his, his scoring uh, record of of, of late. Um, so yeah, that's going to be really important if they've got a player like Human who's not afraid to to get in in with the attack and and take a shot or two himself. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth remembering as well that you know, especially when the likes of Pedro Porro and Matheus Nunes were there. They had those players who would pop up with goals from different areas, so definitely something um, they'll want to replicate. Also, you know, just worth mentioning, Nuno Santos, again, excellent down the left-hand side. Esgaio, again, not much to, to complain about with Esgaio. I know he's not the most fashionable player and they've brought in uh, a fancy new young right-back, but again, Esgaio continues to, to put in a good performance, again, with no dramas from the goalkeeper, which is always a positive. So, yeah, I thought it was... Um, very well-rounded, very positive performance for the Sporting. And look, Morins, I really admire them. Uh, I'm really starting to warm to them as a team. Like I said, you know, they do go into these games against big teams and, you know, they, they play the way that they want to play and, and I do admire them for that. They almost got a great result against Braga last time they last time out. They almost, well, they played well against Porto and did themselves, you know, proud in, in that game at the Dragao. I think this time, you know, they just came up against a team who know how to play that way themselves and can do so with uh, real quality. So I, I think it was probably a step too far. But the next step for Morenz is just picking up more wins against teams in and around them in the table. Because to be fair to them, they're a newly promoted team. And in the first five games of the season now, they've played Porto, Braga and Sporting. So it's been a little bit of a baptism of fire. But for me, Morenz remain a team to keep an eye on because I think we'll, we'll see them uh, put in some, at the very least, very exciting performances uh, in this league this season. Um, all right, well, let's move on to Porto Barney, who for the fourth time this season won a game 
by a one goal margin, this time going away to Estrella de Amadora and winning 1-0. This was their first game after the international break and their first game since drawing 1-1 with Aruka in their previous fixture. Um, there was a lot of surprise when the team sheets came out in this game. Sergio Conceição did something that he so rarely does and he made wholesale changes to this team, not just with uh, the playing staff, but to the formation as well. They played a 3-5-2 formation for the first time this season and the first time that I can remember in a long time. They brought in a number of new faces, uh, including the likes of Fran Navarro coming in for Mediterranean, but of course Mediterranean came on due to Everton's injury. Taremi comes on, gets his first goal of the season 15 minutes later. You know, you couldn't write it, but it was uh, an important moment for Taremi. The only goal in this game, very well taken, and it gave Porto another win in a potentially very difficult game. Yeah, well, I mean, Mediterranean obviously came on for the injured Evan Nielsen um, and, and made such a difference uh, straight away. Obviously got the goal and, and just looked really good in attack. I felt sorry for Evan Nielsen because he really is struggling with injuries um, of late and is unable to... And for me, you know, when he was fit and going, him and Taremi were deadly together. You know, I think Evan Nielsen was the one to be playing with Mehdi Taremi. Even with the signing of Navarro, I think, you know, Evan Nielsen at his best is, is the best best option. So I was a bit disappointed for him. Um, we should also mention Ivan Marcano as well, who came off injured. I think he's um, injured his ACL, so will be out for several months. Um, but what that does do is cement David Carmo's return to this Porto's team, right? Mm. Because that was the big thing about this, the lineup. David Carmo back in the squad. Back from the dead. Back from the dead. And I think so Conscious Howard said, look, we have conceded goals in every game, hence the shift to the, the three centre-backs coming in, with Carmo being one of those. And the, the slight change of formation with the wing-backs, which obviously we weren't really able to see play out because there were these four substitutions and, and then Vendel came on at some point as well and it didn't quite finish the game as a 3-5-2. But it's interesting because we're seeing Contrasoud making changes, his hands being forced, he's having to adapt because like he's alluded to with the amount of goals they conceded so far this season, things hadn't been going right for Porto and that was obvious to everyone really. Um, I'm not sure if this was the right thing to do Seeing uh, Gonzalo Borges and uh, Galeno playing sort of wing backs is doesn't didn't fill me great confidence, especially when you had the likes of Pepe who has been playing right back and and the Kempe as a winger, you know, he could have been an option. And Gonzalo Borges really struggled against um Jao Reese of Estrella Amador, who sort of really nullified that right hand side for Porto. They'll be very happy to get the three points, they'll be very happy to get a clean sheet as 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 I mentioned, you know, that was that was a big thing for Porto this game. And but it Estrella did put up a really good Fight, I thought there was a really they were, they put a really good defensive display uh, display on. So yeah, I think uh, Porto would be very happy to get the three points from this game. Yeah, it was it was interesting, wasn't it? Because it was a lot of changes, and and some of them I understood, and some of them I didn't. I did agree with going to the back three, although it's difficult because you know João Mario at right back has been one of the few positives for for Porto in in their defensive line. He's actually been very good, and I think he's been very good for a few seasons now but that said on 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 the other side of defense at left back there's obviously been real inconsistencies with, with Wendell and Zaidu so I understand sacrificing the fullbacks and I was pleased to see Karma brought in because we all want him to be a great player wanting to play well and I think the interesting thing about him bringing Karma in was that 
he wasn't tempted to play him on on either side of the back three. You know, he didn't play him on the left. He didn't play him on the right. He played him in the middle, which is probably where you would have expected Pep to play. But actually, I think it suited Carmo really well. And it was really pleasing to see him have um, a, a very solid game, I thought, which was, you know, what, what we really want to see from him. Um, you know, again, equally in midfield, he then he then goes with Alan Varela, defensive midfield, absolutely perfect. I think he's he's... he's that's the position he's built for. And he had a fantastic game, real bright spot for Porto. But then he plays a, a kind of advanced midfield pairing above him of, of Andre Franco, a real um, wildcard shout. And Ivan Jaime, who obviously we, we hope will play more minutes, plays Gonzalo Borges on right wing back. Can he bring Borges into midfield ahead of Franco? Because Borges deserves to play. Play Pepe at right wing back. You know, there's all these things he could have done. The strike partnership of Fran Navarro and Evan Ilsen as well, you know. Really interesting to see Taremi dropped essentially, but then of course it doesn't last long with with Evan Nielsen coming off. So all sorts of interesting decisions all over the pitch, which I I didn't understand all of them, but I think some of them paid off. And I think there were real positives to this game. You know, this didn't feel like some of their other games where they've struggled to 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 perform and, and perhaps they didn't deserve the result they got. They definitely did deserve this result. And I think, you know, it's normal for a big team to go away to a smaller team and, and to face a tough game. And I don't think, you know, they necessarily should be walking into every game expecting to win 3-4-5-0. So I thought it was a hard-earned point. Um, I thought the team responded well to the changes in general. And I think it was actually one of the more positive results for, for Porto this season. It remains to be seen whether Cossessar will go back to that back three. How is he going to line up his next league game? will be fascinating to see, but some real positives. Carmo playing well, real positive. Alan Varela playing well, again, real positive. And, you know, again, I'm going to, shamelessly plug our portugal.net weekend preview article but you know we talked about Mediterranean in that article as, as someone to watch because he hadn't scored uh in the league so far this season he'd gone away with Iran in international break scored for Iran and it was about time that he got his his season on track and I think he did that um in this game with not just a goal but a good goal and a goal that reminds us um of of what a good player he is and lastly, Bonnie, just to touch on Australia, because you know we, we want to touch on both teams. Decent game for them, especially in the second half, I thought. And of course, we have to mention, Barney, that one of Alan Varela's main contributions in this game was a, a goal line clearance in the dying minutes of the game, which which denied an almost certain equaliser for Australia. So they were still in this match and, and they, they did have perhaps a chance of getting something more from the game than they did. Of course, it wasn't to be at the end of the day, but uh, losing to Porto is not, you know, no no disgrace. Um, the player that I really like the look of Barney because you know I, I haven't watched an awful lot of Australia this season. The player I really like the look of was was Ronald, number ninety on 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 the left wing. Looks like a a, a really good player, tall, strong, quick, technical, good shot, good delivery. Almost scored at the end of the first half. Had a great opportunity. I thought probably should have scored at the end of the first half and made a couple of good chances. Um, at the end of the second half as well. So again, Port, uh, Estrella, a bit like Ferenc Barney, a bit like Morarens, have come up, put in some good performances, haven't quite been rewarded yet. But I think they're showing good signs that they're, they're not out of their depth at this level. No, I think, um, well, I think so far I've, I've praised their defensive work this season. Um, and rightly so, they're very well organised. Um, Miguel Lopez in this game, 36-year-old right back, who's been converted to a centre-back by Sergio Vieira, was did very well. I mentioned Jairis and how he nullified Gonzalo Borges. But I think one aspect of their game, which I haven't looked at so far this season, is how, how effective they are in attack. And they're, they're very quick. And the opportunities they do get, they're, 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 they're 
they just they're, they're smart. They, they they know when to take their moments and, and really push for it. And I'm glad you mentioned Ronaldo because I think yeah he's been one of the one of the more underrated players in the league uh, so far. He's got great pace, great stamina as well. He just attacked all game. Yeah, I think Australia has uh, sort of been a slight theme of this podcast, hasn't it? That these promoted teams are, are really good. They, you know they 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 really set up well. There's great players in there, good managers as well. You know they they they're not being blown away by the bigger teams so far this season. And I think this Australia performance is it was exactly that. Mm, absolutely. All right. Well, let's quickly do one last game, Barney, and we've left the reigning champions uh, until last. Uh, and Benfica put themselves within touching distance of that top spot. Uh, they won two one away against Vizela. And I have to say, Barney, you know, we like to stick up for the little teams. But in this case, I have to say, I think the, the scoreline flattered Rosella really. Um, you know, their goal coming from a penalty and Benfica, who really could have scored two or three more in another day. I think it was a pretty routine win for Benfica, just like their last game against Pretoria. And similarly to after that game, Barney, I'm left with left with that feeling that Benfica are, are getting closer, perhaps, to not just their best, but closer to being more fluid and more clinical in that way that we came to expect from from Benfica last season. Yeah, they want to they want to have games like this now that now we've got to the Champions League area where they don't have to really exert exert themselves. You know, they can just have a comfortable game. And I, I, despite Vizela getting the penalty, like, as you said, they weren't really tested too much um, defensively. Um, I just thought, yeah, some really good performances. I've, I've Jan Neves. I mean, this this was a this was probably the one of the best I've seen him play. He was just absolutely everywhere, and and in that second half, you know, when Vizela did get the goal, he was, seemed to be that one player who just like right, we're not having this, and just kept going and kept attacking the balls, recovering possession. Um, but he just really stepped up as and you know as, as a sort of a leader in that midfield of you, despite being so um, so young. And I also wanted to talk about Musa Albert because I, I I'm really enjoying Musa this season. I think he's he's taking his op- taking his opportunity. You know, he, he, Cabral obviously came in and got that start almost straight away, didn't he? But then wasn't that impressive. And Musa's now seems to be back in uh, top spot. And I think that's going to be a really interesting thing all season. You know, then Cabral and Musa battling out for that number nine spot you know, on team sheet, even in the Champions League as well. But I like Musa. I think he's great on the ball. I think he he's he's great at bringing other players into play, which I think. When Cabral played, he didn't do that as much. You know, I think Benfica likes to be very fluid. You think of Rafa and Di Maria sort of running in. Um, I think Musa does that. So, yeah, I just think this was a yeah, just a really solid performance from Benfica and then exactly what you want coming back from the international break. Yeah, completely. And I'm, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm I'm, I'm just pleased to see Musa keeping his, his place because, you know, like you said, when, when, a, when, a, when a manager brings in a big money signing, you, you expect them to start and you expect them to be given the opportunities. But I think, you know, Moose has never quite had his opportunity at Benfica. And I think he is being given it now and he is showing that he can, he can perform when needed. I have to say, I think he should have scored again. That would have rounded off his performance very nicely. And, and if he wants to be Benfica's main man, you know, if he wants to be the starting striker for Benfica, I think he has to put away chances when he gets them, especially against teams like Vizela. But... You know, I'm taking nothing away from a good performance and, and a good goal. And yeah, pleased to see him still in the starting lineup. And then equally, Barney, I sound like a broken record, but how impressive was 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 Algenes in this game again at, at left back? And, you know, the thing that impressed me most about this guy is not just his adaptability to play in every position, but 
when he plays there, just how comfortable he looks and how easy he, he finds it to make that position his own. When, you know, he's playing left back like he played it all his life and not just playing it like he played all his life. He's a right-footed left back and he was using that to his advantage. So he was, you know, really, really impressive again in this game. And, you know, just as, you know, many of, of Benfica's players were. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems to work really well with Xiao Mario on that uh, left-hand side. I was just, it's just completely ruining the sort of, my OCD about numbers on the pitch, you know, we've got a six at right back and an eight at left back. It's just like, oh. um, I did want to mention Truman as well, but just because, you know, I think um, Samuel Suarez obviously had his opportunity, but Truman seems to be, I think it's going to be the guy now, the number one going forward. Um, lots of people get excited about his passing and uh, um, comparing him to Edison. He did make a few good passes, but I think, you know, that's, that, <laughs> that, that, that would have been an area of his um, game that would have been identified in the, in the signing of him, you know, um, we're just using that as an option because there was one, I think it was the Alcers actually, so they both people were playing backwards, the ball went all the way back to Truman and he just launched one and Alcers was suddenly through and goal. And so, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a nice little moment. So, yeah, really good um, performance from uh, Benfica. I think uh, Vizella, Pretty, you know, we always struggle to find sort of points when they play the big teams like that. I'm glad Samu got his goal. I think because he's a really important player on that midfield. Uh, they've they've lost sort of key experience in in the squad, and and I think Samu's now going to have to step up and be that that man. But yeah, a, a really good win for Benfica. All right. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end of this week's podcast and just a reminder that we will be discussing all this week's Champions League action on next week's show but before we leave you um, as everyone knows we like to end each episode with a game recommendation of a game that you can watch in the Primera Liga this weekend and Barney I will let you go first even though I've got a sneaky suspicion I know exactly which game you're going to pick to recommend. Well I've one on the Saturday, which I think will be quite high interest, is Estrel versus uh, Vizella, just purely because it, that could be Alvaro Pacheco's last game after um, Estrel's uh, diabolical performance again this uh, <laughs> this weekend. At that, I mean, actually, that's one thing we should talk about. There was a game with eight goals in it. We didn't make didn't make that. <laughs> Can't believe we didn't discuss that game. Honestly, didn't have time, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, five three, Gil Vicent versus. Estoril, including a Cassiano bicycle kit. Go watch the highlights if you fancy it. I'm real good. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good So yeah, that could be Alvaro Pacheco's last game on a Saturday to keep an eye on. Um, but I, I wonder if you if you were alluding to Friday night Famicom or Ruka as a, a <laughs> Barney. Stop something? teasing us. Give us the give us the real deal. We're talking Sunday, eight thirty p.m. Braga versus Boa Vista. It's oh. a huge one. <laughs> Come on, mate. He's too niche even for this podcast. But it's got to be that one, surely. Sunday night. I mean, who doesn't love a Sunday night game? You know, sitting at home. You've had your roast dinner in the afternoon, relaxing on the sofa. You stick on. Braga versus Boavista, the league leaders versus a Braga team who've, who've slipped up one too many times this season. It's another real test for Boavista. They were tested on the first day of the season against Benfica. They passed that test. They're going to be tested again on Sunday against Braga. Let's see if they pass that test. It's going to be a fascinating game, Barney. That is going to be, and I can't believe I missed it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, to be fair to you, Barney, it is a weekend full of interesting games. And I will say, if you're looking for a game on the Saturday, the game that I really like to look of is 3.30pm on the Saturday. Morarens versus Ferenc, two newly promoted teams coming up against each other. Both had quite positive starts to the season, but you know, wanting to kick on, get some wins under their belt, it's a great opportunity for both teams to do just that. And I think that's going to be a really interesting game as well. 
Um, Casapia Vittoria is going to be a great game. Even Shabs Estrella, that's going to be like a, you know, he's going to get... Oh, well, there you go. Great weekend ahead of us. Cancel your plans this weekend because uh, there's some great Premier League football. Well, look, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, uh, do consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify. If you've got any friends that you think are going to enjoy the show, send it to them. We want to get everybody involved. And of course, if you do enjoy listening, you can consider becoming a long ball football socio on our Patreon page for just £1 a month. And the link to that is in the description of this podcast. But that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you.